Hello there, and welcome to Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Stephen and Mark. And today we will be talking about creating awesome UI components. So before we start with the awesome topic, we have another awesome topic ready to go because it's almost like conference season that's coming up because mm -hmm. I think very soon we will have Ignite, at least when we're recording this, it'll be very soon. Um, I think by the time you're hearing this, it's already coming on. And also .NET Conf coming in mid-November somewhere. Yeah, so the .NET conference should be from November 9th to the 11th. So if you're listening to this show on the day it came out, you are still able to catch two days of the conference and it's online and it's free and it will be recorded and there's so much cool stuff coming along. What's your favorite part that will be seen there, Stephen? Well, is, is saying the pre another preview of Maui, is that a bit corny at this point? I think everyone knows we're, we're Maui boys. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I think, I mean, every update always... Well, yeah, I, I like it because it's always an improvement. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Just saying it out there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few uh, a few sessions on there that I think I I wanted to tune in for. So definitely worth checking out. But there is more than Maui to come. So the .NET 6 is the main theme that will be uh, launched. So .NET 6, another long-time support service version that should get support for three years from Microsoft until the next LTS, which will then be .NET 8, uh, which will be launched in about two years' time will come out. And yeah, so with that, we'll get C Sharp 10, where I'm oh. looking forward to all these cool new functional features that will pack in there. I know, Stephen, I can't warm your heart for these, but hey, I'm oh, so looking forward to this. I feel um, like every every conference, there's a what's new in C Sharp, the next number. And it's like, <laughs> this thing yeah. is going fast and, and that, that's true. I, I'm I getting lost. Like, I have lately actually even heard the term the new way of writing C sharp and the legacy way. So I'm just I'm, I'm not calling you legacy Stephen out here on the podcast, but maybe you want to keep up I'm, with the times just saying. Just I'm saying. pretty sure I'm pretty sure if you'd look at how I do things it'll probably be le legacy. Uh... <laughs> ah, you're just being tough again on yourself Stephen. I know you yes. like you shiny bits. Yeah. No, shiny another bits. I mean, the other new cool things that will be coming out are the big ones are ASP.NET version 6 with the minimal API. Uh, that's a big one. And some other cool new improvements. Uh, EF Core will be launching with a new version, also supporting some cool new features. And yeah, I mean, I think we could make a show on that. Maybe we'll do a show on that next time around uh, when it all has been talked about. But uh, if you can't wait for that, be sure to check out the link in the show notes so you can hop over and tune in to this Donna Conference 2021 season. I think there's uh, more than enough talks to go around and make a show of. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. It's a, uh, a jam-packed every half hour something's going on agenda. So, And that for three whole days. And our good friend Gerald is actually speaking. Hmm. Yeah. If you did uh, not know. I saw his face on the agenda, which is actually classic. 
out now. And yeah, um, sure, I'll sure have to tune into that one uh, and see Gerald doing his thing on the cameras. Uh, should be fun. It uh, it probably will be. And it's about one of our favorites, Community Toolkit. Which, Ooh. as a nice bridge towards cool UI stuff, has a lot of cool UI stuff in it. Um, so I've heard. Or so we've heard, yeah. I've, I've used it a few times, so there's some cool bits in there. So this, this is one of those challenges that you come across a lot, right? Um, you build something. And it looks very cool. Yeah, but Stephen, 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 now just let me. I mean, how hard can it be? A UI, you just slap a bunch of buttons on it, some controls, some forms, some inputs, a little bit of a table style, some yeah. coloring. Boom, you're done, right? I mean, you could even do it in front page, and it would see. I mean, how hard can it be, Stephen? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not that hard. I mean. Making a UI is not that hard, but yeah, the there's there's this this problem that I I think most people um, run into where their UI evolves basically. Um, so you start off really simple and you keep on adding bits and bobs left and right, and at some point you're looking at your UI code and it's it's this behemoth of a thing that is. Yeah not really controllable anymore. Um, you have six, seven different buttons, uh, eight different text box styles, and it can go on and on and on. Um, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, so so have I. Um, and, and that's basically, I think a lot of people recognize that. And, and while it's all fun and games while you're building, at some point you're looking back at it and thinking, what have we done? Um, and that's, that's, I think something that today we want to touch upon among other things, because in, in the end, um, design is pretty much about a few things like consistency is one of them. Um, and also one thing that I think we should definitely get into today is making that a bit more modular to ensure that you don't get six or seven buttons doing essentially the same thing. Um, or looking ex essentially the same with maybe a few small variations. And I think that's always a bit the uh, the easy say, thing to say, right? So to say, like, modularize and everything will be fine. You know, just, yes. uh, but the question is, just I think, how? do it. And so I, I, for a long time ago, I've been taught off to put my styling directly onto the UI control and, like, extract the styling, which is really helpful. Uh, once down the road, you have copied your button at five different places, and suddenly the design of the button has to change because the text is too small, the color is just wrong, and you don't want to go through all of your code looking at all of your buttons and trying to then make those changes. You want to have them at a central piece. Uh, so I think extracting your styling is always a, a good thing to start. And once you have done that step, you can then even go one step further and also like extract the essentials of a style. And I think we've already mentioned this on another show, but um, you know, like extracting your fonts and your font sizes and your margins and all that, and just being sure that they are consistent. Because if they are not consistent, you, you have like a UI that's just a bit, yeah, funny to look at it's uh it's not calm it's very everything's a bit all over the place and with a few simple changes you can already calm the user's eye quite a bit but 
I think from there, Stephen, what, what are our next steps? I mean, so now we have extracted all of that, but we still have maybe a, a lot of things that are still a bit of the same. Yeah, well, I think it all starts with maybe even some some work up front. I mean, I, I know we don't like to do that kind of stuff as developers, especially when it comes to UI tinkering. Um, that, that really has to be something that you enjoy doing, but I can fully imagine that it's not everyone's ball game. Um, but I'd, I'd go as far as to at least basically bidden the entire thing I've, I've done that actually on, on numerous occasions for an app where I just, it had become such a mess that I just, I had to start over basically. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's no fun. Um, but if you start over and you start over structured and, and as you said, modularly, um, I think it's pretty quickly that you can identify areas that, well, at the very least, have some overlap where you could get away with maybe one or two styles instead of the 15 that you had. Um, and and also, like I said, planning it out a bit more. Like, I think for, for each app, you'd, you'd have like a maximum of five font sizes to use. I, I cannot imagine a lot more in any design. Um, else it might be a bit over over designed i don't know that's that's just my opinion maybe but um but yeah there there is a lot to be said in that area where you just define upfront a few font sizes that you're going to use a few fonts um and then just stick to it like i've i've had situations where there were like six or seven labels on a page and they were all ever so slightly different like they they'd have one font size or one point on font size difference all of them um maybe one would be medium one would be bold one would be normal um like it's it's also maybe a bit of a case of training your designers or maybe if you don't have designers doing that kind of stuff for you just just toning it down a bit you know like make it a bit less less is more um you don't need a hundred different font sizes and and what's that called weight to uh to get your point across probably um but other than that yeah i think the the first step is to identify also patterns of things that you're using a lot across all the all the all of your app um so that you can actually create some some reusable components out of that and while i wouldn't say go as far as extract a label and a text box like if you have that that input pattern where for example you have a, a label and a text box and they're always the same uh when it comes to their orientation towards one another and you could go as far as abstracting that into your own custom little input field, but I'm not necessarily a fan of that. But yeah, I'd I'd go more into the functional side of things. Like this is a bit of a form that I want to reuse a few times or a section of controls that I want to reuse a few times. Um, like for example, some sort of profile visual where you have a picture, your name, your I don't know, function title or subtitle, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
that could be a nice control that you could abstract away and reload pretty much everywhere where you want to. Um, or maybe some kind of fancy button that has some cool animation, toss that into some component and manage that centrally instead of having that animation sprinkled all over your app in 16 different places because a designer will come along and want to change that animation. Just a few things added off the top of my head. But those those were some very good points. And I think you you hit a few really nice points there. I mean, so I think trying to have as few different label styles as you actually need. I mean, it's quite hard to say, well, what's the top limit? I mean, that really depends on your app. I mean, maybe your app will uh, have different sections where you actually want to have different labels. Uh, so sometimes the number can be as little as three. Sometimes it can be as big as 10. But as soon as you have like 10 different label styles all just matched up next to each other, chances might be that it's more confusing for the user to look at than you're actually helping him. So that's I think that's a very valid point. And the other thing is uh, extracting uh, little component styles. So I, uh, I have done this in the past where it actually was that label input button thing where there were like always some special things going on. And it was a bit not the default case. I mean, before you start creating your own custom controls, I, I always recommend look what's already out there because chances are that it might already be in the standard UI toolkit which you're using, whatever framework that you're working on. Or you might already have a third-party provider that actually provides a control which you can customize or you can do some styling changes to, to get the desired effect. And that means you, you will not have to maintain it go, going down the road. But starting small, I think, is always good. And another thing that then often comes up with, usually when you make these little design components, subviews, custom renderers, however you want to call them, um, you then always will want to pass in some, some user data. And that's, I think, also some, something interesting to think about, like how will you pass in that information now? Stephen, you said it before, uh, we are both heavy Maui and Xamarin Forms fanboys. Um, yep. It's it's just by experience, we just like working with the stuff. It's not that <laughs> they forced us to say this, we nope. just like doing it. And so there, there I know you can either, you got like two ways how you can pass in information to a, to a visual element. And one thing is you got the data context. So Xamarin Forms and Maui, they both provide the MVVM pattern. I've made a show on that. You might want to listen up on that if you don't know what I'm just talking about. And you can either set the data context so you can pass in a view model, or you can create your own properties, and they're called dependency properties, and they're a bit more work. And that's oftentimes when I see people starting to struggle. So they pull out this little UI component where they got a few things going on, and if they would have this on a on their standard page or on the standard layout, they got their view model, everything's good. And now suddenly they have to start to do their own dependency properties and then stuff suddenly goes sideways. I don't know, did, did you ever see that, Stephen, in, in your projects? Uh, it can get tricky, yeah, definitely. Because like, for example, if you abstract away a control somewhere and that has a view model A sort of as, as the initial thing that that's working off of, and on some other page, you have a very similar control, but it's using view model B, which just have a few different properties and all that good stuff. That's that's typically where 
besides it being just a visual rework, it also becomes more of a hassle in, in the actual code department because there you, you'd have to either slap those few models behind an interface to, to make it all their shared properties available to your control, or you, you'd have to do some other form of extract, abstraction there to, uh, to get that all up and running. I've, I've seen some of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and on the other hand, it's also sort of like a matter of how much data does that specific control actually need? Yeah, like, does it, does it just use two strings out of each few model and that's it? Or does it really need the entire thing? Um, so there's also definitely some improvements that can be done there to make them more modular. Yeah, for me, for me, uh, it was, I mean, as soon as you go down the dependency properties route, and you then still want to have a bindable dependency property, some like one one even more advanced. Suddenly, these things start to consume a lot more time to just like simply extract and make them reusable. So, what I usually do if I if I know this is not a component that I'll be reusing in a lot of spaces, I will just go down the uh, view model route. I'll make a small view model which I will make my little subview dependent upon. Since you can now, in, in Xarin forms, you can say, hey, this part of you will use this data type for making its data context binding. So you, you can put in some compile time safety into there. So it's, it, it's not everything. You don't allow everything to be happening there. you got some control. But if you then go like out into the public or you really want to make a reusable control, usually going down the dependency properties and making them bindable is probably the, the better route if you want to be applicable for, for a broad audience, especially when you do it for Xamarin Forms and uh, for, for mobile stuff, because then you you just provide the user what he actually expects. But it is a bit more work doing these standardized components. There are some there are though some some I think really some really great examples how why you want to do this. Uh, so one example that I just stumbled up on in another app, it actually was a web application, uh, but same same things apply to those. Uh, when you clicked a button and you made an async operation to the server, you wanted to then display a little loading symbol on the button that something is th something is happening, dear listener, and this button is blocked during that little something is happening time period. And there was no standard component for that in the web framework that we were using. And so we, we actually created one. And that button then could be reused all over the application because it, it turns out you're actually doing quite a lot of asynchronous calls when you're having a web front end and a, and a web back end. It just suddenly turns out that this is a really desired feature that you want to do. And having this button was quite easy to to create, and it's and it brought in a lot of stability because uh, I can I see this over and over again whenever you have asynchronous operations, you got a button, people click the button. They click it five times because obviously when you click it five times, only then your application will know, oh, you need this information really urgent before it was on the slow channel. So now we can reprioritize them. I'm I'm trying to make a joke here, maybe that one. But yeah, so usually what you end up doing is you end up in a, in a horrible mess because your states suddenly they get fired like five times and di with different information and the wrong information gets sent and your user will be frustrated with the result. And you can capture this uh, on the UI side that that's not possible in, in a nice way and manner. And we use for this a, a standard component uh, to, to ensure this. In Xamarin Forms, I probably would do it differently. Just saying. I probably would do it in, a, <laughs> in the command. Just saying. But yeah. Yeah. 
but I've been going on about command, so so loading state. So so Stephen, I know you have donated one of your libraries, the state squid library. I really like the icon of that one actually, um, mm -hmm. to the Zarin Forms community toolkit. So yeah, I think what, I think it's still that. <laughs> I think too because I think it's a really great story, but I think people probably want to hear it from the original. Well, author. it's it wasn't uh, it wasn't that that exciting a story, I think. But um, basically, I, I started that library and mainly because I had my own need for it. Um, then slowly abstracted that away from the project that it was originally conceived in to a separate library. And then, well, partially because I just didn't have the time to maintain it anymore, which is sounds like I just tossed it over the over the fence and said, good luck with it, bye-bye. Um, which essentially, if you look at it, is the case, but um, it's it just, it did what it had to do and there wasn't really a lot of exciting new bits that I had in mind for it. So it's uh, it's pretty much the same as it was when I donated it back a few years ago, I think at this point. Um, I don't know, time goes fast in these, in these COVID days. Um, but yeah, it's it's in the Xamarin Community Toolkit and it allows you to have all sorts of different visuals when different states in your app are, are being triggered. Um, so like a loading state or a empty state or any custom state you can think of basically. Um, but yeah, I, th I think what I also wanted to touch on is, is it's really easy as a developer to see something and go like, okay, we need a control for that. That needs to be abstracted away. And that's that. Um, but I think, and that's partially just because we subconsciously don't necessarily like doing more work than needed. Um, it's, it's also very good to actually look at what's already there when it comes to controls, like, if someone else maybe already kind of abstracted something similar, you're just piling on another thing that it's sort of similar. It, I, I can fully understand the feeling of not wanting to go through the effort to rewrite both into something better, but the bottom line is typically that that is for the better, um, at least in my experience. So yeah, I, I definitely also would like to advise people to to see what others might have already done within your project or maybe even somewhere on the internet to help you uh, help you improve your own UI components and things. Absolutely. And not just that, I mean, for one, I would definitely like to read what our listeners uh, have found for very use, reusable components that they use in their apps. Uh, every time and day. It might also be the Xamarin Community Toolkit. Just let us know at nullpoints.io. Our DMs are open and Gerald might still be reading them. Anyhow. Oh boy. We have a security breach then. Yeah. Ooh. Um, um, so you, you mentioned before, instead of creating a new library that does sort of the same thing that another other library or UI component actually already does, but a bit differently, uh, it might be better to actually bring them together. And I, I think that's generally a good thing, but I think that's also what keeps the NPM modules busy 
since that <laughs> seems to be a, w- a way how that's done over there. At least that's my recent experience. Another thing that I, I always like to say is like, it's it's actually okay to copy UI code for if you don't do it all over the place. So if you have like a, a control that you use in two places of your app and you never use that thing again, I think it's okay then to to just have a copy of that thing and, and adjust it slightly. But if you see that going over and over and over again, that's usually the part where you where you then want to extract it because it it will allow you to then have that reusable component. And you could also go like one step further. Like if you're in a company that has various products, it might also just be one. Uh, you can then have that component and make it available to your teammates uh, that work on different projects which will then allow your user, if he uses different kinds of your apps, to have a consistent experience. Um, so if, you're, if, you're app, if your company produces two applications and they both look like different and they both have got a different vibe how to use the UX, that's usually quite confusing because it's one company. It, you would think they speak the same style. And using these UI components is, it can be a great way to also have a same style. And I think that's also going like along the way of uh, when you include your design, I mean, when you got these templates, it could also be like, do we really need to now invent a new way of doing this user interaction? Because we already got something that functions similar. I know it's not the brand new hotness that you have in your heart, in your head, but it might be, it might be more consistent for the user. I'm not saying that once a UI component is out there, you're never allowed to change it again because I really like the modern UIs compared to the battle gray WinForms application era applications. But yeah, I just think why, why, why have five ways of doing a, a search when, when you could just do one and do it the same way and then improve maybe that experience instead of having five experiences that are mildly <laughs> annoying. Suboptimal. Let's put it uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, Especially if you have, like you said, a few teams working on different apps from the same company, that that's I wouldn't know why those two wouldn't work together to to make that a bit more uh, of a shared load to to work on. So yeah, um, the next well, you you basically mentioned it already. I did some some libraries in public. Um, and that that's there are some challenges with that i've noticed as well um because i at some point decided to support wpf or uwp or but steven aren't you on a mac i am on a mac and that makes it the challenge <laughs> um so yeah you're you're basically supporting things that are pretty hard to support so i also kind of dropped support for those um, from my end, at least. I mean, the, the community is free to take that code and run with it if they want to. But um, yeah, it's it's just hard to support every platform out there. Um, I'd be happy if just Android and iOS work as designed, basically. Um, and it also, well, especially for me, being just a single developer, it, also kind of requires you to know a lot about all of these different architectures and and platforms and everything that goes on inside of them and being a mac user i just don't really have a lot of interest in figuring out how wpf works 
Um, that that might sound a bit cocky from my end, but yeah, that's that's just how it is. Well, it doesn't sound. I I don't think it's cocky. I just think it's like the truth. I mean, that's something probably you just have to keep in mind. I mean, whenever you start writing a UI component, it's usually fun. It's something new. It's something challenging. And you, you get something out of it. And then you think like, hey, I've solved this problem for me. I'm actually reusing this component in, in a few projects of mine. Uh, or I can see myself down the road using this a lot. I'll make it open source. And that's then the, the point where as soon as other people start using it, you might get those people that then expect that you maintain it for them. That's not how open source works. I, I, I fully agree with you, dear listener. There, but some people might have that expectation, and then you might get led into the the false belief, like, "Hey, I will support UWP," or maybe someone will make a pull request, and then suddenly you are supporting a platform which you are not really using. And if there are then issues coming up in that platform, it's like, "Oh man, I <laughs> where's that original?" contributor for the PR could you could you please help oh he's he's no longer on the internet and and he's no longer using UWP and that's a challenge that I think you you have often and the same thing goes if you launch this thing internally of your company I mean once you have made a, a component that you use in many applications it might be that a new update of Android comes along or iOS and it breaks your UI components and suddenly you will have to maintain it you'll have to fix it and if you use a third-party con- component, it, it might not be for free at the beginning, but you have actual people getting paid to ensuring that those components are getting updated and will be compatible with new versions. And I that's, I think, yeah, something you always have to keep in mind because at the beginning, everything is fun, everything is novel, everything is new. And suddenly these edge cases keep piling on top of you and those can be fun, but maybe they're no longer fun and maybe you don't really have the time to to go through all of them because you got a different job and your company is actually not a component toolkit provider but uh does whatever your company is offering to your customers so i think that's that's always the thing to keep in mind um not saying that components are bad in general but the more complex things you build yeah the more maintenance you probably have to be ready to invest uh, down the road. That being said, Stephen, I think I've already asked you this question here on air. Um, the thing that I really like when I do web development, and I know, I know I'll get some flack for this, is Uh-oh. using Bootstrap because it provides me with a lot of uh, thought through UI templates that I can use in, in my web application and I can customize it. When I do a, a mobile application with, with Xamarin Forms and probably also with Maui, I, I don't see that. I mean, that's one thing that I, I don't know, that, that, let's put it out there as an open source idea that started here on, on the show. I mean, I think that could be something really cool to have in the Xamarin Forms Maui world going on that you have like some kind of base templates, which you then can override. So you got like your default colors, they always have got the same name and People that put out custom components, they can then reuse that. And, and yeah, you can overwrite the, the theming so it will match your company's corporate identity and corporate design, stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on these open source well, there is 
there is like this there are a few UI kits for Xamarin. Um Grail or Grail comes to mind. Um but there's not a lot of them, so I think using them makes your app instantly look like all the other apps that use it. Um but I, I think definitely there is something to say for a easy bootstrap like thing. Um and in a way, Shell kind of does something along those lines, but it's uh, it's definitely not as f- flexible a system as as Bootstrap probably when when it comes to styling your things, because um, it's not really a grid based thing, while well, Bootstrap is. And I don't know. It's on the one hand, yes, I can fully imagine why people would want to use such a system on the other hand for mobile apps i also am becoming more and more of the opinion that just using the built-in stuff is probably your best bet especially when it comes to like supporting it later down the road because i feel like any custom menu or custom complicated thing that you're building will break um whereas the built-in navigation and all that stuff probably won't um or at least has less less of a chance to um yeah I'm, I'm still all for good looking design and cool stuff but the the thing that immediately comes to mind in my brain is snapchat and their swipe left for this up for that down for that and that's this confusing thing that was absolutely horrible but yeah that's a different story <laughs> yeah so 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 having uh, unique ui concepts can be also interesting for the user to learn in the first moment, I, I get you there, and and I've known we, we have talked about this. Having a UI component out there also means you you have to maintain it. Uh, so yep. there's there's always that side. But I I agree. It's it, there are components out there, GraalKit, and I have been using Shell in a few of my apps. Uh, but Shell tries to also tackle a bit more than just the UI. It also tries to tackle a few concepts how you could do those easier. And I know it's being ported to Maui, and it will be further developed. Last time I looked at it, it was it was not there where I hoped it would be, and uh, I, I then had to uh, go again back to the classical way of creating my apps. But it, it, I think it, there's some truth to it. I mean, when you use a standard UI control, you don't have to uh, maintain it. But uh, if you use the standard UI design from Apple, um, it's just been a bit bleak <laughs> to mind. Not very fancy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely. I agree with you there. That what what I said was more about the actual concept, indeed, of having like a top bar and tabs at the bottom and and that structure. While visually, they can still definitely be tweaked to your liking um but yeah the the default ones are a bit too bland and i think almost no one is actually using them everyone is at least in some way trying to even if it's just a custom font or something like that that's that's what everyone is trying to do at least so i guess our message is hey create awesome ui components reuse awesome UI components, it will make your life easier instead of copy and pasting a button 50 times in your code and then having 42 variations of set button. But just keep in mind, 
it might be in some maintenance down the road if you do anything too complex. I think binding together standard controls and having them aligned in a certain way, that's probably a safe thing to do. Recreating a button from scratch or an input field or something really funky, well, that just might, might mean some additional work once the framework below starts evolving. Yeah, and I think on that bombshell, we can wrap up this episode on creating awesome UI components. We've been your hosts, Stephen Davison. And Mark Alibone. If you have some, some favorite UI components that you'd like to share with us, feel free to reach out on Twitter at nullpointers.io. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe. Until next episode of Null Pointers. Mm-hmm.